0: Corn, corn, nothing but corn, corn, corn. So uh, good movie, Secondhand Lions for sure, um, but we're going to be talking uh, about just some growth that God wants to do in our life. One of our, our, our mission, our theme, whatever as a church is that we want to be growing in, in a our relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to lead people in that growing relationship, and so plan for the next several weeks is to be studying the Word of God, but particularly be going through a study together called "What on Earth Am I Here For?" And if you haven't picked up a copy of that book, it's totally free. It's at the guest services desk. You can pick one of those and a study guide up. Uh, so many people have joined groups, and you know why are we doing this? This is a, maybe a twenty-year-old book. Is it kind of simple? Yes, it is. But honestly, I've I've studied this uh, book with. Some some. Some people who have been Christians for 30 years, and they read it and they go, man, that's some foundational stuff that I missed somewhere a- along the way. So in one sense, it's kind of like Theology 101, basic Christian catechism, that is one of those helpful things as we read the Word of God to try and understand what what we're reading. And I know that's a, a value that we have here as a church, is that we would be in the Word of God. So that's that's one of the reasons that we're doing it. Also, an amazing thing is how many of you are in. In community groups, small groups, studying the Word of God. Some of you met last week for Super Bowl parties or for pizza just to get to know each other. But now this week, um, a lot of people sign up. Now it's time to show up. And so we're excited for what the community uh, aspect of of Christian life that maybe some of you have missed out on um, before. Now's now's the time. And so we're excited. We want to see God grow us and third, just kind of about this series, is is we're giving God some room to work. If you would, just, you know, so there's 42 chapters of this book. It's just short chapters. You can read one a day. Today is day one. And uh, just give God some room in some time. Um, I, I tell you what, you give him some room and there's going to be some, he, he's going to, He's going to show up. Um, if you'd seek him with all your heart, um, he's not hiding from you. He, you'll you'll find him. So that times like secret ter- church or times that uh, we're excited for you to spend time uh, with the Lord. The, just as as an overview, where we're going the next five weeks, five purposes uh, that that Rick Warren describes that God designed us for. He designed us uh, for God's pleasure. We were planned for His pleasure. So we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about fellowship. We're going to talk about discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. So that's just a little bit uh, of an overview of where we're at. So, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, kind of working again off of those those old guys who who have seed. This isn't one of those areas that totally relates to me. I go to the grocery store, like many of you, to get my fruits and vegetables. And that's not to say we've never grown a garden, that we don't have fruit trees in our yard. But I've spent more time with a grinder in my hand than like a, a hoe, you know, getting weeds out of the garden. Um, oftentimes we plant a garden and don't do the, you know, weeding, that sort of uh, tiny little detail of of gardening. But uh, looking at the word of God this morning, we're going to see about planting, about harvesting. So in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 through through verse 10 is what we're going to read. Just a, a, as a means of overview, the book of Galatians is a, is a quick read as well. It's, it's kind of, some people would describe it as like a mini book of Romans. It's written by um, Paul to churches in what would be modern day Turkey in the area of Galatia. And uh, really just talks about We're not supposed to be living by the rules, circumcision in particular, as he's talking to Jews. We're to live by the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. I am so thankful for God's grace, and that's something that we always want to highlight. We want to highlight his love, and those aspects of his character, they don't change when we mention his justice, but we read here in verse 7 that you can't mock God. You can't trick him. Even with all of the focus on how we are saved by our faith, not by our deeds, so Still, we cannot trick God with a profession to him. He sees how we live. He sees what proceeds. He sees our practices. Matthew Henry says, God won't deal with us according to our profession, but according to our practices. And so I don't want you to hear that God is a God of karma. What goes around comes around. But within grace, God as our Father, he will not be tricked. Some of you are parents and you've sent your child to to their room to clean it. It's It's a disaster. They come out 90 seconds later and say, I'm done. You don't even have to have a security camera in their room. You don't have to be able to see through walls to go, are you kidding me? Oh, you must have just shoved stuff under your bed or in your closet. There is no way you have a harvest of a clean room. You didn't plant. You didn't have enough time there. And so we see this with God. You can't trick him. He's not stupid. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 15, it reads, Woe to those who who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will know? There's many people who who would love to play the Christian game, whether it's just showing up at church or or saying it at work. But people will see eventually, but God sees all. Always. Romans chapter 11 reminds us to consider the kindness and the sternness of God. That he does cut people off. He knows who is his. In Jeremiah chapter 17, we read, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Answer, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Don't miss this this balance with the book of James. It's it's, it's really talking about the same thing. Paul even refers to James in his his book as as the brother of Christ, that our faith and our deeds have to be working together. We were in James chapter 2 just a few weeks ago. One of the ways that this shows in some people's life is favoritism. Favoritism to the rich, to the poor, to to male or female, a preference there, to somebody's skin, the color of their skin or the language they would speak. Christians, if we say we love God who we haven't seen and yet don't love or even listen to our brothers that that we do see, do we really love God? First John would talk about that. And so many of us, we live in a culture where there's so much going on. And we don't even listen to the other side. We have access through the internet to so many different voices to, to be able to understand what's going on in our world. Yet we reinforce, and the algorithms help us to reinforce what we believe, who we think is in, and who we think is out. Don't be be deceived. God knows what's going on in your heart. You might be making a show of it, but God knows what's going on, how you're living. You can't mock Him. You will harvest always what you plant. So, So, what does it look like to plant? What does it look like? Some of your translations you may be reading this morning may talk about you reap what you sow gather what you planted. Well, what does it look like to sow? You know, one thing, I, 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 farmers, don't you admire farmers? The more you, you'll spend time around people, you will see people of patience, of optimism, People who take risks, I mean, they, they have a certain amount of seed, either they've kept back from sending to the market themselves or that they've gathered, and the hard work that they put in, it, with the right placement of things, with, with removing weeds, with guarding from damage, they see, they see miracle, really, of life. And so much of it is out of their control. When you're a farmer, you have no control of the weather. If you ever do want to know the weather, I have found talk to a farmer. These guys almost know to like they're like meteorologists. Like they, it's going to rain in 14 minutes. We better you know get the get the hay done. They they just they they study it because so much is dependent on on, on Mother Nature, right? So much is is dependent. They they are trusting so much. We have so much to learn. We need to to live lives that are planting good things, intentional. James speaks about this in James chapter 5, 7 through 11. Patience, not grumbling, but being steadfast. So let's, let's look further. In verse 8, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death who wants to grow that, right? Like, what are you growing in your garden this year? Oh, I'm growing turnips and whatever. Uh, well, I'm, I'm growing decay and death. No thanks. But you will harvest what you plan. If you play video games all weekend, your homework is not going to get done. If you spoil your kids, giving them everything, they might act spoiled if they were spoiled. God doesn't bless the selfishness. This isn't Christ's model for us. In a country, the story is told many years ago that farmers theorized they were growing potatoes and they theorized that that You know what? Why don't we take the big potatoes and just keep planting the small potatoes? If you've ever grown potatoes, it's it's kind of a wild thing. I mean, it's, 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 it's a really big seed and, and it's root. So you bury a potato and you get more potatoes. Well, as a result of this practice over many, many years, these farmers noticed that all their potatoes started to shrink to the size of parables. They learned through bitter experience that you couldn't keep the best and expect a harvest to come. You couldn't just use leftovers for seed. The harvest reflects the planting. And so, this reflects what some of us do. We plant some of the leftover stuff. We take the big things of life for ourselves and we plant the leftovers. And we expect some crazy twist of, of, of spiritual laws to happen so that our selfishness would be rewarded with unselfishness. What does this look like? What about your time? Are you keeping the best of your time for yourself and throwing God the small potatoes? In your marriage, are you centered around you and your needs or around your spouse's needs? Jesus sets an example for us in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Is it when you're around your friends, is it all about how good you can make them look or how good you look? I mean, have you... When you post a picture of you and your friends on social media, why not look at how they look, not just how you look? Very simple application there. But how you plant, how you work the soil of your life, it's going to get you a harvest. And so God says, spirit pleasers, pleasers of the spirit of God, they are blessed. We trust him. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. We talked last week about money. I can't, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, can't miss whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Where's your money go? Where's your time go? These are the seeds that we plant. These are these are Deposits we're making. Verse 9 is a powerful verse. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Doing good can make you weary. There can be weariness in well-doing. But as Andre Agassi said, great philosopher, all the good stuff is on the other side of tired. You may have a can of WD-40 in your house. You know what that stands for? It stands for water displacement, and it's formula number forty. It, after making an effort to do, what if they would have stopped on, on, you know, WD-39? Doesn't have the same the quite ring to it. But they failed. The messages don't give up. I mean, none of you who are gardeners go out and yell at your plants. Maybe you do, and that's kind of weird. But, like, you just understand there needs to be patience. There needs to be the work. Did you put your seed in, in the good soil? Are you watering it? Are you weeding it? In our weariness, we just say, God, it would be nice if you would throw me an Advil, I love how Chuck Swindoll says this, though. He says, God does not dispense strength and encouragement like a druggist fills your prescription. The Lord doesn't promise to give us something to take so we can handle our weary moments. He promises us himself that is all and that is enough. The psalmist in Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I'm medicated? No, because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And those in a shepherd's hand aren't always used to to caress and to, to pet us, but to know God is there in our weariness. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. Keep parenting. The way that you're that you know God is calling you to parent. Keep showing up at work the way that you're showing up, doing good. Don't get weary. And say, ah, it's just not, it's not going anywhere. The scripture says here, at just the right time. I did a little bit of a study there on this word time. In the Greek, there's actually two words for time. One is chronos or chronos, and the other one is kairos. And, and, and from, from chronos, we get, we get chronological or, you know, may have chronograph written on, on, on your watch or something like that. But that, that's about the minutes, the seconds. That's more about the quantity of time. Paul uses this earlier in Galatians chapter 4 to say at just the right time, verse 4, while we were still powerless, Christ came. He died for the ungodly at the perfect point in history. On the calendar Jesus came so that we could be saved this is this is good news but here is used this word Kairos this is a moment this is a season this is an opportunity. We live in a frozen pizza mindset of time we we have things that we can open up we say 13 to fifteen minutes and here's my pizza we have ramen noodles. some of you you don't even have to look at the packaging anymore poor people. I mean, I'm not poor, um, like money-wise. I mean, that's just sad if you're eating a lot of ramen, that you know the recipes of all of those quick things by heart. You need to eat some real food. Have, a, have, a mo- have, have food be more than just filling your tummy. But anyways, like Kairos is, is this opportunity It's it's at just the right time. Let me illustrate this. Kronos is is the time when you have to get up for work or school in the morning. You go, what's the time? Kairos is, it's Saturday morning. Do I feel like getting up yet? Some of you, you have kids and you don't understand that anymore. But we're trying to remember that, right? That, That there's an opportunity. But some of us measure our wellness, Or even our maturity in Christ by just looking at days. Or or even our sobriety and we say I'm 10 weeks or I'm 10 months or I'm 10 years. But being healed happens in the Kairos. And so we're called to reap a harvest of blessing at just the right time. This does not just mean heaven. Some people think that that's, that's all we have as Christians and if that wasn't enough, yeah, that's obviously enough. But at just the right time, there might be a breakthrough with that kid. Don't quit on that child. Maybe in that marriage or in rebuilding trust with the parent and we say, it's been this long. There might be a moment waiting for the harvest in Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 through 16. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Man, do they go by quick. Man, can your time just be stolen from you? But we need to change or trade the, we're within the chronos. Create opportunities for kairos. And so verse 10 uses the the word for time, kairos again, as opportunity is how it's translated. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those who belong in the family of faith. As a church, we need to schedule more times to serve each other. This is an area where we are not strong. We need to put out some dates there and have some people who can lead and say, on this date, we're going to go out and do some things. And and there are many times that we, we, we see significant dates and we help people out. But what we need to get better at is seeing the opportunities. I mean, when somebody dies, sometimes we rally to that together as a whole. But some of you, you're in a spot with your relationship with the Lord where you see people lose their job and you bring a casserole. Their dog dies, you bring them a casserole. Their, their, their plumbing goes out in their house, you bring them a casserole. I mean, that's just, what a wonderful thing, though. We need a... a, a somebody made the joke with me, and it's kind of a dark joke, but it, it, it made me laugh. They said, you know, when somebody dies, they bring you casseroles, but when you get a divorce, nobody brings you a casserole. We need to be that for each other. Find the opportunities, shovel their snow, fix their toilet, Not just, oh, hey, like I feel like it, I can put it on the calendar, I can set a reminder on my smartwatch. We need to be ready for the opportunity. When we have the opportunity, we should do good to all people. We don't know how many opportunities or or how much chronos we have, how much time we have. I've got a friend, uh, named, I do have friends, um, I have a friend named, uh, named Dan, and we shared a bathroom in college, he was just the next room over, and we got to be, uh, we got to be friends there, um, as you would, and then, strangely, after graduation, I ended up living, like, 25 miles from him, I mean, all friends, we just scattered across the country, we got close enough, I could go golfing with him, and, and we'd go on double dates, with him, and his wife, with, with me and mine, and it was just fabulous, and, um, but we've we've moved away, and so we haven't, we haven't really kept that up. Um, but we're still Facebook friends, right? And and it, it broke my heart just a few months ago to see he has uh, stage four stomach cancer. Um, he's got two kids, uh, and, uh, and then this morning I see that his his, his he does look good. Um, his wife shared the you know a picture of him, and man, he might not have much Kronos left. And, and I might die before he does. I, I really don't know because I'm not guaranteed any amount of time. But the opportunities that come along, am I making the most of them? Or am I saying, oh, I'll plant, I'll plant a seed there later on? The importance of serving is highlighting and even pointed out, especially to those who belong in the family of faith. You know, the book we're reading, it's just whatever. The scripture that is in it is eternal. And I wouldn't give you a book that I think is going to lead you astray. But more powerfully, those relationships that will begin around a a regular meeting. I, I just see that as a church, we have the opportunity to grow and serve each other. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. This is in John chapter 13. You know what Jesus did when he knew he had less than 24 hours left to live? Do you know how he traded that time? He made a moment, moments, one of those was washing feet. You had one day left to live. Would that be on the top of your list? I I know that maybe, um, I don't know, I saw that on Facebook this week. Most of my sermons are not just Facebook things I've read. But I, I saw that this week and I thought, man, if he knew, he knew how many ticks were left on the clock And yet he made an opportunity to show his disciples this is what love really looks like, is dying to self, not being Lord, but being a servant. And for him, he was still Lord. In John chapter 12, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their lives in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. So many people are here this morning looking for new life, looking for resurrection. There isn't a resurrection without a death. One of the reasons we use water, obviously it represents washing and cleansing. Let me remind you again that when you enter the water of baptism, you are symbolically showing what has really happened that you have died to the old and you are being raised to the new. You are being buried, you are identifying with Christ and saying, I'm buried with him in the waters of baptism and I want to be raised to new life again. Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 through 21 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. life i live in the body i live it by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me friends we we've got some growing to do we've got some growing to do i know some of you think oh next few weeks i've heard this before we're going to learn about these things watch out you think you got nothing to learn you've got a lot to learn you've got a long way to grow he's never going to be done with us he's going to keep keep changing and challenging us And if you want to see resurrection you got to die let's pray